right, dads, here are two words that you have probably uttered maybe countless times, I don't know. In talking to your kids, uh, two words, be good. Have you ever, have you ever said that? Be good. Uh, it, it, you probably say them a lot of different ways. You could say them, be good, rather sternly, right? Things are messing up and maybe, or maybe it could be a warning, be good. Or maybe, maybe you just, as I have many times, maybe you just resort to pleading, be good, right? Maybe that's, I, I remember as a, a young, tired dad many times saying, all right, we're going into the store, or we're going into grandma's house, or we're, 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 we're going to go, going into church, be good, please be, I, there may or may not have been some bribing involved, I don't know, um, but, uh, but, but, but we, we wanted our kids, we want our kids to be, and actually all of us probably have heard that before growing up, you probably heard uh, someone give you the instruction to be good, and I'm assuming that sometimes it was easy and you were good, I'm also assuming that sometimes it was not so easy and you were not good. Uh, maybe when you were good or you wanted to please your mom and dad or maybe you were afraid of the punishment that might come or, or maybe you thought maybe it would get you a boost in your allowance so you would, you would do as you were told. But then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, then sometimes it kind of seemed like a tall order and, and I really can't do it. Um, being good just, just wasn't as much fun, right? And probably rooted in, in uh, selfishness and just wanting to do your own thing or, or uh, uh, just, just, you know, I didn't really care whether I pleased my parents because I wanted to do this. My friends were doing that. And so we would just do what we wanted. It just, sometimes it just didn't seem possible to be good all the time. We're going to take a few minutes now for you to testify all the times you were bad. And no, we're not going to do, we're not going to do that. Um, Sometimes I think, though, we feel like that in our spiritual lives, that, that we've got this pressure to, to be good. The Bible says a, a, a lot of, has a lot of instructions, and I guess maybe we could sum them up, or a lot of people have summed them up. Uh, we could say, they maybe, okay, well, God wants us to be good. Uh, and although we, we want to please God, we also want to do what's easy, or we want to do what everybody else is doing, or, or what seems fun, uh, or what, just what we want to do. And so it just seems unrealistic to think that God would really expect us to follow all those rules in the Bible all the time, and to be good all the time. But as we've seen over the last several weeks in this series on the Holy Spirit, God hasn't just given us instructions without also empowering us to follow them. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And there's so much about the Holy Spirit that, that uh, man, we could do this series from now till Christmas and uh, still probably not hit all of the uh, intricate ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. But I've really felt led to land on the, the places where we have over the last several weeks in, uh, in, in looking at um, uh, some of the ways the Holy Spirit moves and works in our lives. Uh, he, is, he is the essential to our spiritual lives. When we start following Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit moves into our hearts, but then that, that just starts the process of what he wants to do in us and through us. And so we need to let him, as we said a couple weeks ago, we need to let him fill us. Or maybe another way to think about it is, is we're going to let him control us completely. Uh, we, we talked about that, that metaphor of, of fire, that he's, he, he consumes and he purifies and he strengthens and, and he soothes and so many other uh, pictures that we get of, of the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week we talked about how the, when the Holy Spirit moves, uh, he brings the word of God alive in our lives, that, that, uh, that, that, that we, can, we can sense what God is saying as, as the Holy Spirit inspires our reading and our study. You know, maybe all of that could be summed up in what we're 
going to talk about today, and that is when the Holy Spirit moves, he makes us holy. Maybe that makes sense. I mean, it's his name for heaven's sakes, right? He's the Holy Spirit, so he's probably going to influence us toward being holy. Uh, but, but when we say that, though, we still think uh, that, that holiness, being holy, just seems so out there, right? And just kind of out of reach. There, there are a lot of scriptures that we could go to today as we uh, study what it means to, uh, to, that the Holy Spirit makes us holy and how he empowers us to be holy. Uh, I want us to look at, uh, at a passage in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. And, um, and, and man, I just, I, there's so much here, uh, and I want to unpack it a little bit uh, for you as it uh, paints a picture of what the Holy Spirit does and how he works in our lives to make us holy. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Uh, They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Many people have uh, grown up with a view of life, I think, that, that looks a lot like this. You, you've got an angel on one shoulder and whispering in your ear all the good things you're supposed to do. Oh, don't do that. That's bad. You've got to do this. It's good. You've got this little angel on your shoulder. Maybe you've seen, I remember seeing it in uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons, I think, right? Uh, but it's a lot of places. You've, you, you've got this little picture of the angel on you. But then also over here on this shoulder, you've got the little devil, right? The pitchfork and the horns and all that. And, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> right? And you got, you're back and, and and back and forth, and do I want to do this, do that? And, 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 uh, and, and, and so, so sometimes we choose to follow the angel, and we've got it in our mind, okay, well, there's this, okay, yeah, I'll be good, I'll be good. But then there's, ah, you know what, it's so much more fun to go, and so sometimes we choose to be bad, I guess we could say. It's, and it, it seems inevitable that we're always going to have this struggle, uh, and, and we figure we're probably never going to conquer it. There's going to be times when we just, give in to that, that uh, wicked little voice in our ears, and we do that. And it seems like in this passage, we have a bit of that scenario showing up there in verse 17. Paul calls the, the devil side the flesh, or we could call that, uh, in other translation, the sinful nature. And uh, the angel side is, uh, we could say, is, is the spirit. And, and it says they're always in conflict with each other, right? Uh, could it be uh, that, that this is a battle that we're always going to be waging? Maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe we do have uh, the, the spirit and the, the, the flesh or the sinful nature, and we're always just going to be, and, and we're just destined that sometimes we're just going to sin, and that's just how it is. And, and, uh, and, and uh, then once we get to heaven, okay. It, it, and, and so I, I want to say, is that really God's plan? That we just have this struggle all the time and we're not sure whether we're going to be good or not and we're probably going to fall over in the bad side a lot 
throughout Scripture, we get a very clear and resounding answer to the question, is that God's plan? The answer is no, that is not God's plan uh, because over and over and over again, Scripture says that sin is destructive and it leads to death and it is not God's plan for us. Sin is destructive and it leads to death and it is not God's plan for us. It's not God's plan that, oh, you know what? You're probably gonna sin sometimes. Eh, you know what? Well, that's all right. Hey, Galatians 6, 8, uh, just a, a few verses after this, this passage we read, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 8.6, uh, let, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. There is always a penalty for sin. It brings destruction in our physical lives now and for eternity. Uh, verses nine, 19 through 21, we read a minute ago, uh, uh, lists out 15 different sinful acts. And, uh, uh, that, but but the, the last little part there says, and the like. So this is not an exhaustive list. If you're looking on there and you go, shoo, well, my sin's not on there, so I guess I'm, I'm uh, scot-free. Uh, it says, and the like. So, uh, so, so you're included. Uh, these are examples of what is produced in your life when you're following that sinful nature. It's, it's quite a list. And at first glance, uh, we might say, well, I'm glad I'm not do all the, doing all those things that those people do, right? And, and uh, you know, as we talk about this, I know our kids are in here, so we'll keep it clean, but it's quite a list. I mean, you get a little, a little uh, you know, bashful or a little, uh, you know, uh, your ter- face turns red when you're reading some of this. Thing. I mean, it's, sometimes scripture is, you know, you got stuff dealing with demonic activity and you've got sins between men and women and, and uh, you're talking about getting drunk and having wild parties. and I mean, it, it, it makes you blush, right? And you go, well, I'm glad I'm not dealing with all of those things. But then right alongside all of that stuff are some of the things that, that, that maybe hit a little closer to home. Maybe it all hits closer to home. Things like being jealous, bursts of anger, selfishness, causing divisions, quarreling. Those things are just as destructive as the other stuff. This this whole list, all of it comes from the same place, that sinful nature, sin is sin, and the Holy Spirit provides a better way to live. A couple of things about that list, all of those things. Uh, One is that, that all of them are ugly, right? Sin is ugly. There's an ugliness of character being produced when we're, when we're following that sinful nature. Um, all of them start with selfishness. I want what I want, not what God wants, and, uh, and I'm going to do what I want. And none of them end well, right? In this moment, maybe, okay, well, it feels good at the time, but then, but then in this life, there are consequences to deal with when we sin. There's, there, there are problems, there's difficulty, there's pain, and, and then ultimately, there's that death and destruction, spiritual death and destruction. And one thing, as I look through that list, all of them seem to be, all the sins seem to be kind of easy, right? Usually the easy things, though, don't have the best results. I think about uh, many different aspects of life. Uh, usually that's a principle. We, if, it, if it's easy, it might not be best. Um, dieting, eating what you want, when you want, is easy, right? Yeah but it doesn't have the best results, right? 
uh, sports. It's easy not to train, don't go to practice, don't put in the work, don't stay after practice, but you're probably going to lose. The results aren't that good. Maybe it's easy in your job to just kind of be mediocre and go through the motions. Okay, that's fine, but you're probably never going to advance or or get beyond uh, where you are right now. It's easier to talk bad about someone than to talk talk it out face to face. It's, It's easier to get angry and fly off the handle than to practically deal with a solution to a problem. It's easier to be immoral than to be married to one person for a lifetime. But it's, it's easy, uh, but easy be, always has worse results than, than doing good, the, doing the hard work of avoiding sin. And Galatians 5 here says that if you're living like this, it literally says if you're living like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're, if you're doing these things, God says, no, no, there's, don't do these things. When God says be good, he means it. There are consequences for sinful choices. Sin brings destruction, decay, and death. It separates us from God, and it is the whole reason that Jesus came and died and rose again, to overcome sin. So it wouldn't make sense for God to go to all of those extremes, but then let us keep struggling with sin, slogging through life until we get to heaven. Jesus, John 10.10 says, Jesus came to give us life, abundant life, and that's not just in heaven someday, but it's even now. That abundant life is a holy life. And as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, he draws us away from those sinful choices. Jim Cimbala, the book I've referenced several times through this series, Spirit Rising, in that book he says this, the Holy Spirit brings new sensitivities and convictions to us if we are really living under his control. Behavior, words, and attitudes that are unholy cause a reaction from the spirit who is holy. In fact, Christians living loose, carnal lives are usually joyless and lacking peace. The spirit is sending out all kinds of cautions, warnings, and red alerts to bring us back to following Christ's example. I've mentioned that word conviction uh, several times through this, through this series, saying that, that the Spirit does that for us. He brings conviction. He convicts us. And maybe we need to unpack that a little bit today. Uh, when, I don't know, a couple of key definitions of, we know what conviction is in a courtroom, right? Uh, a criminal is judged to be guilty, Right? And, and we know that. We also know that, that, that we use that term to describe something we feel strongly about. It's my conviction, right? I'm, this is, I'm convicted about that. This is it. And this is the way I'm, and I'm not going to, I'm strongly, feel strongly about this. And when I think of conviction in the spiritual sense, I think both of those things come into play. Uh, the spirit who is now living within us as we follow him uh, it shows us our guilt in certain areas. As, as uh, Jim Symbola said, he brings new sensitivities to us. Uh, he, he, really, he puts out these cautions and these warnings. He's, he's uh, showing us uh, certain things that may need to change. Maybe you've had that sinking feeling in the, in the pit of your stomach when you've done something wrong. It's, it's like a weight, right? Uh, the weight of guilt over sin. And it's also a, a, a strong sense, uh, there's, there's also in that then, a strong sense that, that you need to do something about it. That the, there's this conviction that, that not only do I feel bad because I'm guilty, but I also need to do something about it. I, 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 need, to, I need to take care of that. I need to let God take care of that. The Holy Spirit does that for us. He brings his conviction. I think 
Many people have the perspective that God is out there saying, be good, as if he wants to kill all our fun and to, to, to make us feel bad about our lives and, and feel bad about our sins and maybe God gets some kind of sick pleasure about us being miserable. But that's, that's that, and nothing could be further from the truth. The Spirit simply knows the best way to live and, and that isn't following sin. And, and sin leads to death. Holiness leads to abundant life. So when you feel the Holy Spirit's conviction in an area, don't ignore it. It's not that God's trying to, to, to get you so you'll feel miserable. He says there's a better way to live. It's, it, it's for your good. Uh, you need to get on the right track. And so if you're not sensing those convictions, uh, as Symbola says, you're probably not even following Jesus. Uh, if a person doesn't have a growing sensitivity towards sin and doesn't have a desire to become more like Christ, it's questionable whether that person ever had an authentic conversion. No true child of God can casually practice unrighteousness without eventual pangs of guilt and a desperate craving for cleansing. A lot of times we think about holiness and we just kind of, again, we put it out there as this thing that's unattainable, right? Uh, maybe it's this few saintly people who know how to be good, but the rest of us, we're going to struggle all the time. Maybe think about Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or maybe your grandma that you knew was always praying for somebody. Oh, those saintly people, but, but holiness is probably out of reach for me, right? So why even try? But when the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, he makes holiness possible. Uh, it's described, I, I love the, the, the imagery that kind of weaves it way through, its way through this passage. I, I don't know if you caught it or not. It's, it's kind of a little bit below the surface. It's, it's, this, it's this image of a journey of, of, that we're, we're going with the Holy Spirit somewhere, right? So uh, it, it says in that first verse, uh, verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Verse 18 says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So, so there's that, that action, right? He's, he's leading us. Uh, verse, verse 25 says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, there's this, this uh, motion, this action that we're, we're, we're going somewhere. We're walking, we're being led, we're keeping in step. Uh, it's this journey and, and we'll live life best when we're living in step with the Holy Spirit, when we're following his lead, I think great question to ask yourself more than once, what is it that I'm keeping in step with in my life? We could, we could name a whole lot of things. What is it that determines what I do, where I go, how I act, how I react? Sometimes that's a person. And we're following the lead of a, of a person instead of following God. Maybe it's a, it's a political. And so I'm going to follow this because, well, I identify myself as this or, or or maybe it's my community and then so I'm going to follow what what uh, what those for, folks are doing or or uh, uh, maybe it's your job or may, a whole lot of, it, it could be anything what is it that is determining your steps what are you keeping in step with if it's anything but the Holy Spirit then some things need to change I I've not been secretive about the fact that I've run uh, a few races over the last years and you're probably sick of hearing those stories uh, but uh, here comes another one go ahead and put that picture up David uh, so when you're running some of the longer races like a half marathon or a marathon uh, they have these people see the guy with the sign up there it says 305 that guy right in the middle he is called a pacer and he has to carry that sign the whole time I would think I wouldn't want to be a pacer not only because I need a pacer, I'm not, not a pacer, but also I wouldn't want to have to carry that the whole time. But, but so they have these people lined up, and, and you've got, I don't know, you've got 
hundreds and hundreds of people at the beginning of this race and you're looking for these signs because you know in your mind you've trained and you've gone through things you kind of know how fast you're you're gonna go or at least how fast you want to go in this race you kind of know uh when you want to end just so you know uh this would be a marathon and this would not be the pacer that i would follow in that marathon because three hours and five minutes would not happen uh has not and will not happen in my life but uh but so you're looking uh where the and they have the they have these corrals, and, and you've got certain ones that are, that are going to follow the pacers in you know, a certain, certain uh, time that you want to finish, right? Certain, uh, uh, certain pace you want to keep and uh, the time that you want to end. Now, I've got uh, an app on my phone. I've been, you know, if I'm getting ready for one of these, I've been running, you know, ad nauseum for weeks and months. And, and then uh, and you got the app on your phone, and every mile in my ears, you got the headphones, and, and it, it interrupts whatever I'm listening to and says, oh, we're at another mile, and this is how fast that mile was. This is how much time you've gone, and this is your pace all the way along. And, and I've got those things to help me, but it, I don't know, it's still, it, it, sometimes you still get caught up in the moment, especially the beginning of a race. I might start out fast and think, oh, I'm feeling real good, and then I regret that later. Or at, at other times, I might be going slower than I, than I want to. And a, a pacer is a great solution. Uh, people who want to finish the race... Around 3.05, that guy in the blue checking his watch, he's making sure this guy's on track, right? But um, uh, they, they, they cluster around the guy with the, with the sign, and uh, if you start out too quick, and I've done this before, you start out too quick and you realize the pacer that you were thinking is behind, usually what I've done is, well, I can do better than that, I guess, I'm feeling good about myself. And then about, you know, a few miles in, you're going, yeah, I probably should have stuck with that guy. And then they pass you, and that's a great feeling too, but... Uh, uh, so, so the thing you should do if you're going to follow the pacer is to, you know, slow back down and get back in step with the guy who's leading the way. Or, or uh, a lot of times, late in the race, you're tempted to, oh, I, 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 don't, I can't do it. I need to give up. I need to uh, slow way down. I, I can't do it. Maybe it's a hill. Maybe it's, you know, a couple miles to go. But that pacer right there, oh, I can just push, the, I can just keep up with this guy. Uh, I can keep up with this girl. Then I can, then I can do it. I can, I, and, and if I do that, you know, in your mind, that if I do that, I'm going to end up where I, where I want to end up. And I think, I think that's a, a great metaphor, a great picture of this journey of life lived with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to keep in step with him. And when we do, we'll have the life that he's designed for us, a holy life, a life that inherits the kingdom of God. <laughs> we'll end up where he wants us to be. Of course, as we, as we walk by the Spirit, keeping in step with Him, He will lead us to heaven someday. But, uh, and, and crossing that finish line is a, is a big part of, of this life with God. But, but there's more to it than that because along the journey, the kingdom of heaven is lived out in us as the Spirit develops His character in us. In this passage, it calls it fruit. And that list in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 really spells out what I think. There's nine character traits, character qualities that spell out what it means practically to live out holiness. It's, it's in complete contrast to that sin list we looked at a minute ago, right? It's a, it's a list not of actions, though, but of character qualities. And the Holy Spirit is developing those things. As we keep in step with him, he is developing his holy character. It's, it's not ugly, it's beautiful. It's not centered around me, it's focused on others and it's fruit. It's not works, uh, um, it, it's not necessarily that I'm doing love, although I do that, but it's rooted in a character quality of love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. And, and, and I can't make fruit, right? I can't just will myself to, to develop fruit. Fruit is a byproduct of a life that's lived in step with the Spirit. And, and there's another trap, though, I think that we fall into at some point uh, where some people might think that they can, they can reach this point in life where they're living in step with the Spirit and, and I'm just, you know, I've, it's happened in races many times where I'm like, yeah, everything's good until the next 20 minutes and all of a sudden everything's not so good and, and uh, I won't tell you about what happens then, but uh, it's, uh, uh, I don't have to try anymore. I'm, I'm living for God and, and everything's, and I don't have to... That I've arrived attitude is, is not at all what this passage is talking about. Uh, of course, the Holy Spirit does bring the fruit that naturally grows in us, but we have to consciously choose to follow to keep in step with him. And there's, a, there's a point in time in our lives when we decide that we're sick and tired of, of weighing the pros and cons of listening to the angel and the devil, and, and, and we're, we commit ourselves completely to following the Holy Spirit's direction, and he's controlling us. We choose for him. And, uh, but in doing that, then we're, we're consciously doing what verse 24 describes as crucifying the sinful nature with its passions and desires, crucifying the flesh. We take that little devil off our shoulder and we nail him to the wall, right? And we let the Holy Spirit do it. Then we get in step with the Spirit every day, day in and day out. We don't get ahead of him. We don't lag behind him. We keep in step with the Spirit. And as we do, fruit grows. Character develops. Holiness becomes a part of who we are. So our focus isn't just on being good, but on keeping in step with the Spirit. The way we obey God, the way that we are good or holy is, is only by living by the Spirit. It's, it's not a passive, uh, now I'm holy and I don't have to work at it kind of life. But at the same time, it's also not a, it's inevitable that I'm going to sin so I'm just not going to try kind of life. I'm following the Holy Spirit and he's developing his character in me. When the Spirit moves, he makes us holy. So again, the question for us to consider today is what am I keeping in step with? Is there anything or anyone in my life that I'm following more than following the Spirit? Are you letting the Holy Spirit set the pace and guide your race? We need to sense his leadership, submit to his guidance, and as we do, he will make us holy. Will you stand with me? Let's take a minute to pray. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes... Let's just show us in step with you. Reveal your truth to our hearts. And as you sense his, his direction, his whisper across your soul this morning, the next step in getting in step with the Spirit is to submit that to him and say, yes, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of that in my life so that I can focus on you. Father God, we pray for your supernatural moving in our lives today. We pray that your spirit would have your way in us. Lord, we know that starts during a time like this when we make that commitment, maybe for the first time or maybe we renew it, maybe we've slipped away. But Lord, I I know that that also continues day in and day out as we seek to keep in step with you. Father God, what a joy to live life following you. I pray that you would do your work in us and that you would do your work through us to accomplish supernatural things in our lives and in our community and in our world. We give ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.